We're going to get in another episode of Old Heads Podcast. Got a very special guest in today, Dallas. Hey. Dr. Dallas, I'm sorry. Dr. Cook, I'm sorry. <laughs> let me let me respect her. Thank Go you. ahead and tell me about yourself. So, I'm Dr. Cook. I'm happy to be here. Excited to be here with you guys. Heck yeah. Get into this thing. Um, grew up uh, pretty much upstate New York. Uh Family primarily is from here and um, Green Cove, a little bit further south in Jacksonville. And I like healthcare. You like healthcare? <laughs> All right, sorry, you're a little bit of an accent. What's your ethnicity? Where are you from? Where's your where's your uh... family roots? Uh, so my mom's family is in Jamaica. My mm-hmm. mom's mom's family is here uh, from down south, Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. and a lot of my family is upstate New York, uh, Rochester, New York. That's fair. So, Doctor Cook, aka Dallas. Um, how'd you get into healthcare? Tell the audience, tell us your story. Where'd you start and where are you now? So my story as it relates to healthcare, it's a background, a family background. Aunts are registered nurses. My mom was in healthcare. Um, for me, I started out um, as an LPN. Uh, transition, for some reason, I don't know how I ended up being a firefighter, but I fell in love with it. Um, on my journey being a firefighter um, for the city of Jacksonville, been with them for 12 years now, captain with them. Um, and along that healthcare journey, uh, first responder journey, I went back to school to be a registered nurse, been emergency room registered nurse, um, I guess maybe about eight years now. And then I went back, became a nurse practitioner, and got my doctoral degree in nursing practice. So first of all, I just want to stop and say, for anyone who doesn't know about the healthcare sector, what Dr. Cook has done in a span of 12, 15 years, that's incredible. To start from the bottom as an LPN, right, which is almost a step up from like a CNA, you're not quite an RN, a registered nurse, Right. to transition and escalate the trajectory of your career to a full-on nurse practitioner, that's incredible. First of all, for on behalf of me and Jarvis and everyone on here, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, definitely round of applause. All right. Now, as far as uh, I know, a lot, a lot of people look at their career as something uh, a, a tool to take them where they want to go in life. Um, as far as as far as uh, your career, where where has your career taken you to? My career has allowed me to be an asset when it comes to giving back to the community. Um, I position myself to be able to be a voice for um, African American people and our community. Um, my span of education just allows me to uh, speak to my community in a language that they may better understand. Well, so now that we've uh, we've gotten the meat and potatoes out of the way, we know who Dr. Cook is. We feel like we can relate to her personally. Uh, we're going to get right into uh, the crux of the episode, which is COVID, uh, a.k.a. Corona, Rona, Torona, Dendorona, whatever you want to call it, right? COVID-19. And this is a phenom that took us by storm about a year and a half ago, which is pretty crazy to think that it's been a year yeah, and a half in this. Uh, so for people who don't know, and we're going to start from the basics and then work our way up, Dr. Cook, can you briefly explain um, what Corona is, what the coronavirus is? Okay, so the coronavirus is basically just a large family of viruses. These viruses are capable of creating um, small illnesses like the common cold to even more severe illnesses. Um, I think in the United States, we first saw it around 2003. They had a big pandemic uh, with the uh, coronavirus SARS-1. Sure. Um, and now in December of uh, what is it, 2019, we saw the coronavirus 2. Okay. So you'll see it as, we know it as COVID-19, um, but the virus itself is SARS uh, coronavirus 2. 
Okay, so this is something that's already been. It's already been around. It's a respiratory illness that's been around for years. That's right. very interesting because uh, early on in 2019, or really like 2018, that November, December area, um, I remember a lot of people were sick, um, but no one knew what it was. Exactly. And we thought uh, we were just sick. And then March came around and Corona, uh, right. COVID came around. And we thought that was the first instance of it, but I mean, you just told us 2003 is when it, when it started. Yeah. So we started hearing about it in the United States, I want to say maybe December of 2019. Right. Um, but it became, uh, it came to our front door in the United States right. around January-ish of uh, 2020. 2020. Then I have my dates back, yeah. uh, a year back. Uh, so November, December of 19 is when 19. I, when I, was what I meant. For sure. And then uh, March 20. January 20, February yeah. 20 is when is when everybody started. For sure, for sure. All right, so what do we know about uh, SARS-CoV-2, and how does it spread so quickly? How does it spread? Respiratory droplets. Um, so according to the CDC, the three main ways that it can be transmitted is through inhalation, uh, uh, deposition, or through touch. Um, and with that being said, it's like it could be indirect, direct, or through close contact of someone who's infected with the virus, uh, meaning that when they cough, mm -hmm. even right now while we're speaking, we're... Uh, putting off liquid putting oh. off fluids um and if i'm talking in your direction and spit mm -hmm. it lands on your lip girl bye. <laughs> girl bye. if i was infected but i am vaccinated if i was infected you could potentially be exposed to the gotcha virus. gotcha um now a lot of people are saying all right we know it can be spread does wearing a mask help the case is Absolutely. it is a, is a spread through touch uh, if I'm touching someone or is it really just airborne? It can be spread through touch because, as I was saying, when we speak, those droplets are being exhaled. Mm -hmm. So those droplets can land on the surface sure. and they can live on that surface. Mm -hmm. So you touch that surface and rub your eye, that's touch. Gotcha. You're rubbing a mucous membrane, you're rubbing your eye. You put your fingers in your mouth. As much as we would like to believe people wash their hands, yeah. they don't as much as they should gotcha. or as often as they should. So you touch your mouth, that's a that's a potential transmission um, of the virus also. Gotcha. You know, Jarvis and I were talking about, about a week ago, you know, people say, as we've seen a relaxation in the mask mandates, especially in Florida, um, A, does wearing a mask help and mitigate the spread of corona? Uh, B, does it not? Is it just there for um, a social construct or a social or political statement? Um, people want to know because they're saying, uh, if that's the case, why are we even wearing a mask? Yeah, masks absolutely help with transmission. Um, as we were just talking about those uh, protocols that are being exhaled, if you have a mask on, they can't break through that mask. You know, uh, the droplets are small droplets sure. however any barrier that you have a mask is just a simple easy barrier and by me wearing a mask i'm protecting you from my potential um from potentially affecting you sure and you wearing a mask potentially keeps me from potentially being exposed to you gotcha so it's not a political statement it's not a political it's statement. scientific it works. really it's common sense okay you know I, I really believe that it's common sense uh i am breathing mm -hmm. you sneeze and people have poor habits when they come to sneeze a lot of people sneeze in the air they don't mm -hmm. do it they don't sneeze in there and they're on in the elbow they sneeze in the air these droplets can linger around also gotcha they linger around you walk into it you inhaled it and there's a potential exposure now as far as social distancing um how, how effective do you think social distancing is what is social distancing okay so social social distancing is just a, a political term for 
remaining six feet away from right. someone to potentially minimize exposure. I do believe it works because for me, it's uh, just as much common sense as a mask. Mm. If you really want to put it in the realm of exposure, if I'm not near you, how can I be exposed to um, any of the droplets? If right. I'm not in the same small, confined area, how can I be exposed to it? So it absolutely does work um, in conjunction with all of the other uh, best practices too. Okay, and then and this is just not slightly off topic. It's not really off topic, but as far as uh, when the notion of coronavirus kind of slowing down, quote unquote, and Florida got kind of relaxed with it, and people started uh, going to concerts and, and these different gatherings, what's your uh, opinion on that? Um, I understand the world just wanted to get back to whatever our new normal was. Right. And I'm probably one of those people who's guilty <laughs> right. of being out because I wanted to be outside. Right. Um, however, with all of the new information that we know, it's a decision. You have to make that decision for you and your family with understanding with the understanding that there's always a consequence also. Right. And that consequence is potentially being exposed to COVID and uh, facing the ultimate price of mortality. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, you know, a lot of people said, you said, or reference uh, six feet apart, right? Mm-hmm. Where did that number come from? Is this arbitrary? Who's saying six feet apart? Why can't it be five feet, two feet, three feet? Well, feet, I'm saying, feet. honestly, you got to ask CDC. Y'all, y'all, y'all just <laughs> those are some very, very smart people. Listen, but I'm, I'm speaking for, for the public. I, I feel you. Y'all just throwing out numbers nope, or what? Nope, I don't think they are. So these very, very smart people sure. who are scientists, who uh, are expert matters sure. in this. Um, so the six feet is really like two arms distance so if I stretch my arm out like that mm-hmm. oh so somewhere in that realm it's been determined that six feet is a magical number okay however um the greatest push is the mask sure the six feet is when you can't have a mask on um the um social distancing will create an alternative okay for the mask for the mask so, you so it is still recommended to have on a mask, but when you can't wear a mask, at least try to create some physical space between you. I was about to say because you, you got some people that when they talk, they spit a mile away. Well, they, they spend a mile away. <laughs> 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 they kind of throw that six feet thing in the trash. I think they got a whole another problem if they spit. And, and honestly, if I see your spit. <laughs> What's the first thing you're going to do? Yeah, you know, I'm going to move. I'm going to dodge it, um, honestly. But uh, the mask and the social distancing is for the things we can't see. Right. But if, if I see you spitting, I'm probably instantly going to move. You know, Jarvis, they, those people probably deserve a special kind of mask for themselves. Uh, exactly. <laughs> they definitely need an N9. They probably need two in it. <laughs> so what do you say about the people with, the, you know what I'm saying, they breath be kicking and they got to intake that. By wearing a mask? Yeah. That sound like a, a personal problem. <laughs> no, I just can't. I just and honestly, um, you know, I'm going to tell you. So I'm a firefighter. Right. And in the middle of the night, we have to get up and we have to go. Yeah. We don't yeah. have time to think about brushing our teeth and, and all of that good stuff. So I've had those episodes right. 2 o'clock in the morning where I have to put on my mask. And I'm, I'm about to die myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> but risk versus benefit. Right. Can Absolutely. I, you know, so I'm, right. do I want to uh, potentially expose myself to getting COVID? it from this person or do i want to deal with my bad brother right right you know what and and that's unfortunate because i wish uh the majority of the public would think more like that you know instead of selfish man my bread stinks right now i ain't putting on this mask yeah it'd be more my bread stinks but i'm doing this for becky down the street or my my next door neighbor or my kids yeah dang you got kids are your elderly grandparents absolutely yeah because the mask is really i look at it as though i'm it's 
I'm obligated to look out for my brothers sure. and my sisters. So a small thing like wearing a mask, yeah. it's like, it's not that serious. Like, just put it on. You know, but what's a small thing to you? You're might right. not be a small thing You're to someone right. else. So, right. you know, we're going to keep it 50-50 here. We're not only going to tell sure. one side of the story. We're going to tell two sides of the story. And I am pro-choice. Okay. I am as it relates to that. I'm going to choose to wear a mask just like I chose to get vaccinated. Sure. I am pro-vaccine, but however, I'm for pro-choice too. I don't think anyone should be um, told. How can you be in the medical field, a doctor, a nurse practitioner, go to work every day, see the amount of people, the morbidity rate, and still be pro-choice. I am pro-choice because, like I just said, coronavirus, from what we know, has been around since 2003. Sure. And the beginning of this pandemic, healthcare providers were treating these patients without a vaccine. Yeah, okay. You know, we've been there. We were in the trenches. Sure. I got COVID, okay. you know, and was very, very sick with it. Well, not now. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, previously. Oh, I'm, I was, uh, I'm sorry. I guess I should have clarified. I previously was exposed to sure. it, and I was very, very sick. I chose to get the vaccine. However... I don't think because we were putting ourselves in a position when there was no vaccine, I don't think anyone should be at risk of losing their job or, or anything like that, um, or should be mandated to get it. All right, I respect that. Now we're gonna transition from, you know, the two feet side of the pool to more of the deep end right here. Okay. All right, so a lot of people are saying or asking, uh, what's the incubation period and what are the symptoms of COVID-19? A lot of people, I know I was talking to Jarvis a couple months back. I said, man, how many people have even gotten COVID that didn't know they had it, yeah. right? They might have gotten COVID. They thought they had the flu or they thought they had a regular cold, yeah. right? So what are the symptoms we should be looking out for? And how can we actually say, I think this is COVID versus uh, a seasonal flu? Really, there are a wide range yeah, tell of us. symptoms Inform that us. came out. Um, and it was so progressive. It was dynamic. Uh, when COVID first popped off, there was just so many uh different symptoms that came with it. Um, as of the, today, the CDC is saying that a lot of the symptoms are range from mild cough, shortness, um, headache, mm -hmm. fever, sore throat. Sure. Uh, and we learned about the new onset loss of uh, taste it's and smell. smell. Yeah. Um, that is really like the predominant symptom that you're seeing in most. However, um, it could be as severe as respiratory distress. Oh, okay. A lot of these people are ending up on uh, in the ICU. Oh, okay. You know, so it ranges from mild to your most severe symptoms. Gotcha. And what's the incubation period like? Um, the CDC is saying now that 14 days, okay. uh, 14 days incubation period and average being four to five days. However, you can be contagious with it two days before you ever have any symptoms. Gotcha. And we can't forget about the asymptomatic people. Mm -hmm. There are people out there that are positive with COVID that have no symptoms. Um, this is why mass are important sure this is why social distancing is still important i've been seeing it's no studies but hearing uh the rumor mill really right. they talk about asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic pre this population are just people that uh with asymptomatic they never develop symptoms with the pre-symptomatic people they develop the symptoms later mm -hmm. and then we know our symptomatic people are full they just they just sick. Right. they have all of them um i think i would be pushing a false narrative if i say they are less contagious. Right. Contagious is contagious. contagious right. if, and that means that you can pass it from person to person. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to give anybody of that just that wrong narrative about it being less contagious. However, they do suggest that people um, who are asymptomatic, they are less infectious and they uh, clear the infection quicker than people who are symptomatic. Right. Working with patients, you see them every day. Um, 
what's the morale like for clinical members, right? Uh, so as people, two young members who are on social media all the time, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, we've seen people, doctors, surgeons say, I'm quitting my job, like enough is enough, right? I've seen a 30-year nurse say, nah, I bumped this, I'm out. I've seen a two-year nurse who went into the nursing profession to help people say, I can't do this no more. Yeah. So as someone who's in that field, tell us and walk us through, what is the morale like right now for healthcare workers? Honestly, I have to say the morale is probably at its lowest now than it's ever been. Um, initially, even in the face of the unknown, if you're in the healthcare profession, you know what you signed up for. Sure. But you do it uh, just because this is what you like to do. You don't you don't even think about it. But I think the morale is so low now because of the vaccination mandate. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's related to the COVID cases anymore because um, we kind of know what we, we've been through the highs and lows of that. Sure. Um, so right now I would think the morale is so low because of the um, the um, mandate mandate for vaccination. How so? Only because. Like I previously said, we were in the trenches mm-hmm. with this long before a vaccine mm-hmm. was ever there. We consciously made a choice knowing exposure is, you know, we, we, we just stepped up to the plate when it came to the unknown. Um, we practiced good PPE. I feel like that's still an option. I don't think anyone should be mandated for the vaccine because we showed that it was effective. Good PPE was effective. Sure. As long as we were uh, supplied with the PPE. What's PPE? Uh, personal pre- protection equipment. Okay. They gave us, you know, our big industrial masks, mask, sure. our facial, you know, just in the gowns mm-hmm. and gloves. We were equipped even when we were exposed to the most sickest people. Sure. If you wear your PPE appropriate, that's another barrier to keep you from exposure. Can you share with us any personal uh, observations or experiences you've seen with your colleagues being stressed out or um, or just, you know, turning their backs in the profession? Is that happen? I don't know anybody personally turning their backs, but the stress is there by default. The, mm-hmm. the COVID-19 just created just an influx of, especially in the beginning, and then when the Delta variant came back, really, really sick people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stress was there because you want those people to recover or you're seeing these people die. Sure. You know, so the stress load is there. So I think we became uh, adapt or we, we learned how to cope with that, sure. especially with your colleagues. Mm-hmm. You learn how to cope with that. Um, so that became like an inherent like stressor mm-hmm. um, per se. But the greatest thing is this mandate oh, for vaccine. Oh. Now, now, as far as uh, I know you said it started here in 2003. Do you think when do you think this will ever end or you think this is going to be a seasonal type thing or? What's your what's your opinion on that? That is an unanswerable question. However, we do have past practice. We have history. Um, I believe that um, COVID-19 is going to take the same pattern that the influenza pandemic did. And I do believe that we're going to, um, especially in the winter, like the flu, right. I think we're going to have a coronavirus season just like the flu season. You mentioned you were a firefighter, right? Mm-hmm, I am. Um, so you're a doctor, a firefighter. What kind of what kind of path did you take for 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 the ones that want to get, be kind of versatile in the medical field, in the in emergency and all that that, that type of stuff, uh, first responders? Um, what what how did you do that? How did you balance scale all that? I am blessed to have found two careers that I love. I love being a, a first responder pre-hospital. Actually, that's probably my my, my first love. Yes, <laughs> if right. I had to pick out of right. out of either one. Um, I just fell on two amazing careers. And being pre-hospital, we do go into the hospitals. So I saw the nurses, I saw the, you know, I saw that lane too. Um, And it was just cool to me to be able to 
bring the people to the hospital and see the continuum when I go to work in the hospital right. and see these same people. That's it, right. um, so for me, I, honestly, I'm just blessed. I'm blessed that I fell on two careers that I absolutely love. Okay. Now, what advice do you can you give for people who want to do the same thing, right? So uh, uh, up-and-coming high school student, uh, up-and-coming uh, nursing student, uh, what advice can you give to them? Level up. Level up. <laughs> <laughs> Study hard. All right. You know, um, I do think I give people a false sense of security that it's easy. Sure. Or, or that it can be done. Sure. It absolutely can be done. All right. However, it takes discipline. All right. It yeah. takes discipline and time. All right. <laughs> she said, I make it look too easy. No, yeah. hey, it's not Level easy. up. It's just that simple. All right, say less. But she, hey, I ain't going deep into the, the ducks and the fellas. Hey, get your job. Get your work done. Yeah. I respect that. All right, y'all. So throughout the week, uh, we took some polls. You guys asked some questions that were sitting heavy with y'all. Um, and so that's what we're going to do right now. The number one question uh, was contract tracing. Uh, Sandra said, how effective is contract tracing? Uh, what is it? And are we doing enough of it, particularly in the state of Florida? And I just want to preface this by saying, she said, I'm only asking this question because Florida has been on the news, the national news. <laughs> For acting a fool. For acting a fool. And still ain't doing nothing about it. And I'm don't saying, care to do Listen, but they've been on the news for acting a fool and showing their you-know-what since COVID even started. Uh, so, go ahead. I do. I hope I didn't bias your answer. No, because I believe in <laughs> fake news also. Okay. COVID, okay, so yes, we are probably a little bit more relaxed okay, there. Probably. I no. do agree with that. However, you know how many false stories that I've seen sure, online? It's sure. like, that's not even Augustine right. That's not even Jacksonville. <laughs> right. you know? So we've seen those too. Oh. With that, Facebook and Instagram are not oh. the best places to get reliable information <laughs> as it relates to uh, COVID. So where we got to go to get those information? Though? Well, you need to go to rapid. You need to go to the CDC. Right. You need to go to NI NIH, National Institute of Health. You need to go to the World Health Organization. So not even the These, news. You no, didn't even mention the news. Absolutely not the you news. You know, a lot of That's people are getting their information from the news. No, they push <laughs> false narratives. They have agendas. They have uh, ratings that they want to get to. I do believe that some of the information is incomplete right i don't think it may be uh tangible facts mm -hmm. however is incomplete and it's comfortable it's comfortable um just to pacify someone versus just saying we have no idea what this <laughs> disease is doing <laughs> sure, right now sure. because that's what it was in my opinion in the beginning we had no idea what COVID was doing mm -hmm. it took time for us to create um, back to contract tra uh, contact tracing, I do think it can be effective when deployed consistent with the CDC recommendations. Mm -hmm. I do not think the state of Florida is doing it right. Mm -hmm. I do not. The state of Florida, um, um, from my knowledge, the, the state health department, they don't even track the calls. They don't track the calls. And on top of that, when they call you, they make you call the people you've been in Absolutely. contact with. Right. How do we know that is even happening? First of all, you know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I ain't doing that. I'm yeah, too busy. I'm, sick. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I'm going to bed. I ain't calling you. Right. right. And right. that's the majority of the people. So I think when deployed uh, appropriately, mm -hmm. it does work. Okay. Because if I was exposed and I do the right thing and call you like, hey, sure. that's instantly going to make you quarantine. Mm hmm you're going to get you tested. You well, hope. you will hope. Sure. Or you would at least go get tested. Mm -hmm. So you will know you're sad. You'll know whether you're infected or not with it, you know, and hopefully you're isolated if you are. I got you. Now, um, leading to the next question, why do you think we as a nation, specifically the healthcare sector, why is it so hard to tell the truth? Why is it so hard to say we don't know what is going on right now? I, I think, and I'm, I'm asking this um, 
because like you said or alluded to when this first commenced last year instead of saying hey we don't have enough data we don't quite know what's going on narratives were pe being pushed and because they changed so frequently people like me people like jarvis i'm like i don't even know what you're saying yeah i became jaded so i don't know what to believe yeah i don't know what to believe so why do you think it's so hard for medical professionals to to say you know we just don't know right now Honestly, I don't think it's medical professionals because we in the in the trenches, mm -hmm. we're gonna push what we're given. Sure. Honestly, I think right out of the gate, COVID became so politicized and it just rocked the whole it was it, healthcare professionals were not allowed to kind of give that sure. factual information because the narrative they were being controlled. The narratives were being controlled because right out of the gate it was just it was politicized. All right. But even with it being political, why didn't healthcare professionals push back? Is this not their job? Well, it's hard to push back if I'm in an emergency room and I'm not uh, privy to real data. I'm privy to what you give me. Okay. You know, I'm privy to what we have access to. Manufactured data. Yeah. And I do believe it's that, you okay. know. So I can only push what I know. Noise has been saying it's it, it's affect, uh, affecting adults and, and kids differently. Um, so first, let me say I'm not a pediatrician, and nor do I see PDs on a primary um, basis. However, the American Academy of Pedi Pediatrics say that children are tolerating the virus. They are getting exposed, because I think as of early this month, there was over 6 million children uh, positive with it since the onset of the pandemic. However, they're tolerating it, and they are um, recovering from why do the you virus. Think that is, why do you think that is? Honestly, I, I can't say. I don't know because the virus is really, it's individual. People, I could have it and never have a symptom and you have it and be sick as all out. So I really think maybe it's based on just your own past medical history as well as just the level of uh, illness that, uh, virus that you exposed, that you have. Now for, you know, parents who have kids, I know my boy Terrence asked this question during the week. And he said, is it safe for my kids to be going back to school? So Florida, I hate to keep on putting it, you guys yeah. back on the, on, the, on the stand here, but <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, our governor, your governor, I don't live here no more. Your governor um, said that if you mandate masks in school, we're going to pull funding from you. Was that the right thing to do? Is it safe for kids to go back to school? Parents like Terrence, parents like Jennifer who have pulled into uh, the podcast really want to know. Um, so I stand on the right to choose. Mm -hmm. I do not think um, politicians should be anywhere around enforcing uh, mandates as it relates to especially my child. Mm -hmm. I am not for a blanket uh, approach to anything. Sure. Because the, as we saw in Florida, cities, they vary, their needs varied. So I'm not for uh, politicians enforcing anything. I think it's up to the parents. We know our children. We know if our children are more sick than other kids. We know what an exposure to it would do for our kids. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if a choice had to be made, it should be made on a local level because Jacksonville schools, our Jacksonville exposure rate may be different than St. Augustine. Absolutely. Than, so I just don't believe in politicizing anything, okay. but I do think there should be something in place um, to minimize exposure. All right. Um, what about folks who are homeschooling their kids? Are they are those kids at a decreased risk of contacting COVID? 
No. No. And that's not my, in my opinion, no. Okay. Because I don't know what the parents are doing. If you're still out, if you're not wearing a mask, sure. you can bring it home to your kids. Oh, oh. Now, the last question, it's a two-part question. Two-part question. Uh, two-part, two-part. One, where did COVID come from? People are saying it came from Wu-Tang, China. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. I'm being facetious. No, people are saying it came from China. Um, other people are saying it came from a lab, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's the first question. And the second question is, uh, what vaccine should people take or would you recommend people take? Which one has the, the most effectiveness? So as it relates to where COVID originated from, I have the same information probably everybody else has. All right. And that Wuhan, China. Sure. We've heard back. Wuhan, not know. Wu-Tang. Wuhan. Wuhan, <laughs> Wuhan. <laughs> um, you know, they say bats. They say this. I don't know anything about it being manufactured in the lab, All but right. I've heard that too. So I can only stick with what I've been uh, given sure. um, as far as where it came from, and it's pretty much probably what the whole population what, has. What have you been given? Wuhan. Okay. It, it originated, well, not originated. Uh, the COVID, the second COVID-2, mm-hmm. COVID-19 is what we know, um, was first found this episode of it in Wuhan. In December of in 2019. December, yeah. It was, yeah, we started hearing about it in December. I don't know the real date of when Wuhan, because they were apparently uh, living in the days of gotcha. long before we got it here. All right, tracking. And then, uh, you know, what vaccine would you recommend? Is, is one better than the other, or are they all safe to utilize at this point? So and this I'm is good. just your opinion. Yeah, for Let, sure. Let's preface this, you know, it's this is all opinion. opinion. But I am not an expert matter when oh. it comes to the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, I hear a lot of people, oh, they was too quick, it was too quick, it was too quick. Yes, the COVID-19 vaccine was developed quick. However, the science and the research and the data, the baseline vaccine has been around for decades. Sure. So I don't like when people say it was too quick, it's too quick, because you really have to um, educate yourself that coronavirus, I think here. first people started sitting on the back of the, the Lysol. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and, and really the common cold, it's been around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, the COVID-19 vaccine was rapid. Mm-hmm. Thank God they had a baseline vaccine sure. to produce this vaccine quickly. Um, but I could never uh, recommend either of the vaccine, especially without knowing the person's complete medical history. Sorry. Um, but I do believe these vaccines are safe. Sure. Um, the data, the extensive research, the monitoring, the mm-hmm. continual monitoring um, validates that they're safe and effective. So do you feel like you should... Uh one should consider their medical history before going to get a vaccine. Absolutely. Not just going to get a vaccine. No, I don't think you should ever just go get anything when right. it comes to putting mm-hmm. some in your body. Um, most people do have primary care providers. They know their history. They know their pre-exposed um, uh, predispositions. So absolutely, I would consult with a primary care provider. You know, and maybe that's why a lot of people aren't getting the results that they want from mm-hmm. the vaccine because they're just going to get a shot. Yeah. Um, maybe the shot that they get, the vaccine that they got, uh, in relation to their medical, uh, medical needs, history yeah. is it well the thing is, what I'm saying about that is all of the vaccines are proven to be effective right all of them in in different uh, percentages one is more effective than the other one however they have the greatest thing is I was sick with COVID I was running to get that vaccine because even if I had an 88% chance of not getting that sick again, mm-hmm. I'll take those odds. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if it minimizes how sick you get, because people um, who are fully vaccinated, they there is still a percentage that you can get sick or right. you can get exposed. However, the data is saying that it minimizes how sick and it minimizes mortality when you have the vaccine. 
you know, and to kind of conclude this episode, we're going to go around just, you know, I'm vaccinated. Dr. Cook, you said earlier you're vaccinated. Jarvis, uh, you, you mentioned no. you're not vaccinated. No. Good. Um, can you just from a panel uh, say, you know, why you decided to go that route? I think I got the virus a long time ago, uh, back when we talked earlier. And I just, it didn't do anything to me. I feel like my health is top tier. Uh, I exercise, I, I take care of my body. Um, and I know that at the same time, it doesn't really have anything to do with COVID uh, t- to a certain degree. I'm glad you um, said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, to a certain degree. Um, but at the same time, uh, I take care of myself. I wear my mask. I social distance yeah. myself. I don't really go out much. Um, so at the same time, I'm like, what, why, what am I, like, what's the reason for me going out to get the vaccine? But at the same time, I do feel like I, if I was exposed to a lot of different pe- people and things and, and different things like that, then yeah, I would definitely probably get, get the vaccine. Sure. What about you, Dr. Cook? Why'd you all decide to get the vaccine? I chose to get the vaccine because I was sick. I was scared. I felt like I was waiting, especially being a healthcare provider. I'm, I'm going to start desatting. Am I going to end up on a vent? I don't have any medical history, you know, anything, no condition, no high blood pressure, no diabetes, but I was very, very sick. Sure. I, I got pneumonia and I just said, stick me, please. I got you. <laughs> I got you. If you didn't get us sick, would you have gotten the, co- uh, the vaccine? Be I don't honest. Know. No? Um, honestly, I don't know. Um, I think because I am exposed to so many sick people, pre-hospital and inpatient, that I probably would have still got it. Well, you know, for me, I think uh, I have a similar story to you, right? So I was sick twice in one month. Mm. I'm a 25-year-old healthy person. I don't go to the hospital. I don't don't do any of that. Like Jarvis said, you know, I thought I was uh, invincible. Uh, Don't have no medical uh, history. But I got sick twice in one month. And I thought I was gonna die. Yeah. On my mom, it was that bad. I was, I woke up at two o'clock with chills twice in one month. So yeah. I'm like, is, is this COVID? So I, I was like, you know what, bump this. I don't got time to be playing. Yeah. Um, I'm about to die, y'all. Let me go. Let me go get this vaccine. So, uh, funny story. Cut the long story short. You know, I get the shot first, then I go get tested. It came back negative. I still don't believe that test. I really believe I had COVID. Yeah. Uh, cause that kind of stuff just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, you know, to answer the question that I asked you, too, I'm glad that happened because if it didn't happen, I don't think I would have gotten vaccinated. And to me, looking back now, hindsight, I don't really have a reason not to get vaccinated. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for my mom. I'm doing it for my dad, Mm -hmm. my homeboy, you know, my teachers, anyone I come in contact with. I might be a healthy young adult, but I don't know what kind of health care related problems you have that I can compromise if I wasn't vaccinated. So uh, it's pretty cool, but I wanted the audience to hear that, to, to, you know, to know that like Dr. Cooker alluded to earlier, it's your choice. We're all definitely pro-choice. We're not mandating. We're not, we're not biased. We're not trying to push an agenda here. Uh, everyone has the freedom to do what they want to do. Uh, but with that being said, we always tell y'all to stay in your lane. Stay in your lane.